Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I hope you're having a beautiful Tuesday, and thank you so much for coming back for another Closer Today clip where me and Monica Cox from My Mindful Me help you get closer to becoming a more mindful you with one inspirational clip at a time. And man, it just helps you get through the BS of not only infertility, but life. So this clip I was super excited to stumble on. It is by Dr. Joanna McMillan, and she talks about eating real food, period, right? And how our food industry has um, really just like taken over and kind of like conned us into what we should and shouldn't be eating and the diet wars and making now all this super processed food but calling it paleo or whole 30 or keto or vegan or you know vegetarian whatever you want to go and tricking us or allowing us to be tricked um into thinking that we're still eating healthy when in reality, we are not. We are just eating maybe a little better version of um, the foods that kind of did the damage to us in the first place, like the overly highly processed, lots of vegetable oils, lots of sugar, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, for me, when I was going through my journey, I guess I can call myself lucky because I don't know if it was a combination of where I lived and the timing, but there wasn't a lot of packaged food that was for um, gluten-free or for paleo or for Whole30 or any of that. Um, It was very, very limited. And to be honest, pretty much most of it was just disgusting. You didn't want to eat it anyways. Um, So I just had to eat real food. I just had to eat like vegetables grown in dirt, you know, meat, you know, raised on a grass field. Um, And so yeah, I was really, really limited to what I could eat. And I feel, you know, lucky in that sense, because I didn't have to struggle, which I do now with, oh, I'll just grab that bar quickly, because it's gluten free, it's paleo, it's um, like, there's no nightshades in it. Um, And you get tricked into this false sense of security. Um, So yeah, I work with a lot of people, and they I get everyone to write down a week of what they are eating. And um, from kind of a normal view, it looks healthy. Um, they aren't eating McDonald's every day. I mean, they're definitely, you know, trying their hardest. And then when I go through with my highlighter, and especially if we're talking about going on an autoimmune paleo diet, I am like, nope, 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 nope. And then you can get a really clear picture of what you're doing on a weekly basis that isn't serving you. Um, and it's really frustrating because... 
as you guys know, if you've been following me, I did paleo for almost two years and still did not get pregnant, not even with the assistance of IVF. And it is super frustrating because I was on a healthy diet, but I had to, you know, figure out and learn that even though that diet is healthy for some and most would say it is amazing and even really hard to keep just on a paleo diet it wasn't for me i had to go that extra step i had to do the autoimmune paleo diet and find out what uh foods were working and were weren't working for me and lo and behold a lot of foods that I had almost daily in my diet because I'm a big Mexican fan. Well, like I love the Mexicans, but like Mexican food and I love Indian food and um, chilies and those all are really heavily tomato and paprika and cumin and all these amazing healthy foods and spices that I, my body just didn't like like I did so much damage whether that was genetically put on me from the beginning and most likely the damage that I did through being a kid and then like my teen years and then my like 20s to 30s um, I just damaged and damaged and your body like just gets worse and worse and worse and has all these food intolerances and all this inflammation and I had to find a diet that worked good for me. I had to introduce a lot of healing foods um, that just aren't in a normal diet anymore. Um, you know, like the liver and bone broth. Um, so yeah, it could be super frustrating and a really big challenge. And um, But I love today's clip because she just really talks about trying to ignore all the BS that is out there and finding what's right for you and connecting with your food and making it joyful. Um, another thing I do with my clients is I have a what's on the tables list and what's off the tables list. And it for me, it's just a really good contrast of um, seeing because most of the time, even if you go autoimmune paleo, you have more foods on the table list than you have off the table list. It's just more foods that you maybe didn't know existed or you just don't have in your diet. You know, we are, are like very creature, like um, we have habits, right? And we just get in the zone of what we eat. So when we look at it at a broader view of introducing all these new foods, you actually have way more to eat than you think. Um, they're just not the convenient foods, right? They're, um, and we just have to think a little bit outside of the box of the normal and even like the normal vegetables that you can get year round in the grocery store, no matter where you live in the world, right? Like carrots and broccoli <laughs> and potatoes and even sweet potatoes now. Um, so it's really refocusing on what you can have and not that mind frame of like oh I can't have this this and this it's like well no but you can have this this and this um and then you know I've been banging on and I'm gonna bang on until the course starts or at least registration about the fertility reconnect course and this course um is designed from my struggles so 
it's going to really help you figure out what you can and cannot have. And we break down, you know, we start before the course even starts and you write a, you're going to write your list through the week of what you've eaten and I'm going to show you, I'm going to help you highlight it and you're going to realize, okay, even though I think I'm doing the best I can, there is massive room for improvement and this is how I can do it. The course is also a big benefit I find when I work on one-to-one clients they feel really lonely like they're the only one in the world that is going through um, what they're doing right now you know changing up their diet and especially if you're going to do autoimmune paleo um, it does feel really lonely I know I felt lonely um, because no one and I mean, no one around me was doing it. And luckily, my husband was on board with me. And that made it so much easier doing all the meal preps and just getting food in and not having to cook like two different meals. Like so if you go and you get the free two week meal plan off of the website, you see I make a thing called Nomato, which is a bolognese sauce um, without tomatoes. And so, yeah, my husband loves it now. And even when he has regular bolognese, he's like, this is so weird. Um, You do get used to it. So Fertility Reconnect course is registration starts on December 1st. You can go right now and sign up um, not only to the email waiting list. So you get all the um, first like door opening there's going to be some special offers but right now you can go into the course and explore and look around and see what the layout's like um there's you know hopefully going to be more than one video by time this podcast um airs but you know what life gets like um so yeah you can go check it out for free right now and um, when doors open december 1st if you are like this is for me i'm ready to commit you can go and jump on board and change your life and change your mental thinking, your the way you eat, and just start reconnecting those fertility links. Um, so I'm super excited, like really excited about the course, and I hope you're going to join me on it. But back to our Closer Today clip. Sorry, I can like ramble on about diet and finding the right diet for you and all that for like years and years and years but let's get back um to mcmillan and i really hope this um clip is just that inspirational like kick up the butt that you need about really committing to finding the right diet for you so without further ado here is joanna mcmillan how would you feel if I was to tell you that nutrition science has come such a long way that in my hand I have some pretty special pills. You're never going to have to eat again. You won't be eating any meals. All you need to do is take one of these pills, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of your life, and it's going to give you the perfect balance of protein, carbohydrates, and fat. It's going to give you the number of calories or kilojoules that you need to stay at exactly the perfect weight for your body. It's going to give you all of the antioxidants and the what we call phytochemicals, just means plant nutrients, plant chemicals that are good for us. All in these amazing little pills. Isn't science amazing? How do you feel? 
Boo! <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. I hope you're feeling, God, that would be awful. How disappointing. I hope there's some memories coming into your mind right now. They certainly are in mine. I'm remembering my mom's awesome lasagna that she always used to make when there was, you know, we'd always appear home with millions of people and she had 20 mouths to feed and she'd whip up this lasagna. I remember my grandmother used to make this extraordinary gingerbread cake that my mother could never replicate despite being the better cook. I remember the pancakes that the grandmother of a friend, a family friend, always made us whenever us kids appeared at their house. I remember being a teenager doing exchanges with a student in France and we had bowls of hot chocolate with white bread, yes, white baguette with butter and jam and we'd dip it into our hot chocolates. I remember the amazing paellas that we used to have as a family in, France, in uh, Spain rather, on our family holidays. The point is, food is much, much more than about nutrients. You'll be pleased to know science is not nearly at this point. Thank goodness, because food is more than the nutrients that it contains. Food is part of who we are. Food is part of our culture. It's part of our upbringing. It's part of how we negotiate and interact with each other. Just think about those of you in the room with a partner. What do you do on your first dates? I'm willing to bet that you went for dinner at some point. What do we do when we're celebrating? Apart from popping open the champagne, we probably have some celebratory cake or we have some food. What do we do at Christmas and New Year? What do we do at funerals? Food is always involved. I've traveled to some pretty remote places in the world and it's the same everywhere you go, whether you're in the most modernized city or whether you're in some village in the middle of Africa somewhere. People want to share food with you. Sharing of food is a sense of friendship, a, French, a sense of who we are as human beings. And here's my concern is that, and I'm a nutrition scientist, I've devoted my career to this space. My concern is that nutrition is destroying some of those things. But here's the problem, because we do have, quite literally, a big problem. Here in Australia, and unfortunately in most of the rest of the world, certainly all of the developed world and fastly catching us up, the developing world, it is now the norm in Australia to be fat. Now that's not an aesthetic problem. I'm not here to talk about body image. That's a whole other talk. But that problem couches us in a whole number of chronic health diseases. We know that diabetes is on the rise. Type 2 diabetes is now the fastest growing chronic disease in this country. And 280 of us are diagnosed every single day. Every 12 minutes, an Australian dies of cardiovascular disease. Ladies, one in three of us will develop cancer. And guys, I'm sorry, one in two of you will develop cancer before you're 85. Now, while much of that can't be prevented, we do know that diet and lifestyle, but diet is intricately involved in all of those chronic diseases. If we were to change the way that we eat, we could dramatically reduce those numbers. We could re dramatically reduce the early death that is in this country and dramatically improve the quality of life for so many people. So why is it that it is so hard to do? If you've ever tried to follow a diet, isn't that an awful word? I hate calling myself a dietitian because that word diet is in there. But diet is really just means the way that we eat and what we're eating. It's really hard to change the way that we do. And part of that is because of 
how ingrained the way that we eat is in the way that we live today. So how you've been brought up to eat will always have a dramatic influence on the way that you're eating today and the way that you feed your children and the way the next generation comes through. But I also feel that part of the problem is the amount of confusion. I was involved in a recent survey where we asked people about how they felt about healthy eating, whether they were confused by it. 87% of people said that they were completely confused by what on earth is healthy eating. And that's coming from some of the media sensationalism that we have around this area. And don't get me wrong, I'm involved in the media and I love that people are so passionate about this area. But unfortunately, it ends up in some things being slightly skewed and bent. And what was a truth kind of gets bent out of all proportion. So let's take butter as an example. Did you see the Times magazine not so long ago where it had butter on the front cover and it said, here's how the scientists have got it all wrong. And suddenly, my Facebook page and other people's Facebook were going crazy with saying, yes, burgers and bacon and everything are all back on the menu. <laughs> that wasn't what the research showed at all. The research actually showed that, hang on a minute, if we replace saturated fat with a whole bunch of refined carbohydrates, we're in just as bad a state, possibly even worse. That's actually what the research showed. Did the research say, hey, saturated fats are actually really good for us? No. They didn't. It questions, yes, the relationship between saturated fat and cardiovascular disease, but that's one aspect of saturated fats in our body. It certainly didn't show us that, hey, eating more saturated fat reduces your risk. No, it didn't say that. But that's the media reporting. So that's just one example out of many that are showing us how we're actually causing more confusion. So let's take a little trip back just through my lifetime because essentially the thing I want to remind you about is that we haven't really got fat until the last 50 or so years. I'm not that old. But really, it is just those last few decades that we're starting to have this really major problem. So here's what I've seen happen. When I was a teenager, mom and I first got interested in trying to diet, became aware of my body and thinking, I've got to be skinnier. Skinny equals beauty, unfortunately, in this country and, and in the UK where I grew up. And here's what happened. Mum and I embarked on a whole bunch of diets. We did the Cambridge diet, which was all shakes and pills and so on. We were both ill by about day three in bed, so we decided, okay, maybe that's not the way to go. So then we tried something else called the Scarsdale diet, and that involved eating a dry piece of wholemeal toast in the morning with an orange. I ate that breakfast for I don't know how many weeks. I couldn't do it today. Tuna sandwiches I still struggle with because we had tuna sandwiches every lunchtime, a piece of fruit, a low-fat yogurt, and so on. We tried everything, and finally we settled on the low-fat diet. And of course, that was the era of the low-fat way of eating. I remember eating an entire French baguette because it was fat-free. So guess what? In here, license to eat. And that's exactly what we see. So the low-fat era took off, and what happened? Food companies responded to our need for low-fat by giving us a whole bunch of low-fat food. Unfortunately, it was full of refined starch, lots of added sugars, additives and preservatives and whatever else, flavors galore to try and make the food taste even remotely good. And psychologically, we all had that license to eat. Oh, it's fat-free. Therefore, calorie-free, I can eat as much as I like. That's the way that we interpreted it. And we continued to get fatter. So then, suddenly the finger of blame went, hang on a minute, we've got it all wrong. It's not fat. It's carbs. It's carbs that are to blame. 
go back to eating lots of fat, let's focus on the carbs. And that's kind of where we are at the moment. So I went shopping. Now normally you'd expect a little shopping basket to be full of food. In here there's not very much food, but this is what people are eating. So now we've got a whole bunch of products here. This one says raw protein. So we're fixated with the problem is carbs. This says raw protein, and in the ingredients list, it's got brown rice syrup and brown rice protein. How do you reckon they got it out of the brown rice? Yet this is called a raw bar. We've got think thin cookies and cream. We've got high protein, low carb bars and chocolate flavor. You know what? We want our cake and eat it. We really do. And things that make it sound like eat this and it'll get you burning fat. All of those bars in here have more than 1,000 kilojoules, but do you know what we're scared of? God forbid you eat a banana, it's carbs. It's going to go, you know, straight to the belly. That's the situation we're in. We've got cookie, you know, we really want to have the chocolate, the sugary, the cakes, the biscuits. So we've got this kind of thing, naturally good. It's free of pretty much everything. But you know, you know what's in it? Basically rice, butter and sugar. Just happens to be gluten-free sugar, uh, gluten-free flour. This is the situation we're in where people are completely confused and the food industry keeps responding by giving us more and more what? That's a basket, apart from my banana, it's a basket of processed food. I went into, I live in Bondi, and I went into one of the local Whole Foods cafes. It's, it's honestly called Whole Foods, that's on its banner. And they serve these amazing green smoothies. And I asked for the green smoothie without the protein powder. And she looked and recognized who I was and said, oh, why, why, why are you not having the protein powder? Is this not a good protein powder? Should we have a better protein powder? And I said, because I don't eat processed food or try not to eat too much of it. And the dawning on her face was like, oh, I could see she'd never considered that this green pea protein powder was actually a processed food. So why is it that we're kind of recognizing processed carbs aren't all that good for us? We've certainly recognized processed fats, trans fats, and so on. They're not good for us. But now we're doing it with protein. We're processing the life out of that and thinking that's going to be all our answers. So when we look worldwide at the moment, we've got a number of different nutritional thinkings. We've got a very low-fat approach that's practically vegan from Dr. Dean Ornish over in the States. He's got lots of great research. He's shown some amazing studies and published some amazing results. We've got Dr. Lauren Cordain, who's the kind of father of the paleo diet. I'm sure there's some people in the room who might have tried, or at least here, it's the most Googled diet at the moment, is paleo. That same cafe, by the way, that serves the green smoothies, now serves paleo banana bread, paleo brownies, paleo protein powder. Was paleo man eating any of that? But we can't see how ridiculous this is, can we? We've got... The very low-carb approaches started, of course, by Dr. Atkins and now, you know, uh, uh, incorporated by a whole bunch of other different people. Still really popular in the fitness industry. We've got the South Beach diet and the low GI diet. And then we've got traditional diets around the world, like the Mediterranean diet, which is actually pretty high fat, but it's fats from really good stuff like extra virgin olive oil and avocados and nuts and seeds really solid evidence behind that kind of a diet. We've got a very contrasting diet, but they have some of the longest living people in the world in Japan, the Japanese diet. The Okinawans have more people that live to 100 than anywhere else in the world. So that diet has been studied extensively to say, can we learn anything from this? And it's very low fat. 
So why did our low-fat thing not work and theirs does? Because when we look at all of those different approaches, they have some commonalities. And that commonality is that they're based on real food, on whole foods. And the state that we're at with nutrition research, and I need to remind you that nutrition research or nutrition as a science is still a very, very young science. You know, we only discovered vitamins and minerals last century. We have so much more to understand and to know. So it's a fascinating science to get into and to study and to read about. But there's so much we need to know. But there are, despite the apparent confusion, there are some very, very clear messages coming out of the science. And that is that there are some foundations that we can all employ. And the most important one of those is that it's about eating more plants. We absolutely must eat more plant food. That's the first thing. But the other interesting thing about looking at these traditional diets that seem to be so healthy is about the attitudes to food in those place, places. I'm going to give you three words, and I just want you to think about which one of these words is the odd one out. Bread, pasta, and butter. Which one's the odd one out? Butter. Why? Because bread and pasta are carbs. This question comes from a real psychology study that was published a few years ago, more than a decade ago now, actually, I think. And they looked at the different cultures, and they had the Americans, the Belgians, with the French, and the Japanese. Now, the French answered that question by saying, well, pasta's the odd one out, because bread and butter go together. The Americans answered that question, just as some people here did, by saying, well, bread and pasta go together, because they are carbs. Who has the bigger problem with food? That study showed that the Americans, while they were much more concerned and worried about the foods that they buy, they were much more likely to buy the foods that are in my shopping basket here. They didn't place much priority, and they certainly didn't place much pleasure in food, whereas the French do. When I was a student, I spent a summer waitressing in a restaurant in Paris, and it was in a business area, and what would happen would all the local business people would come to the restaurant for a sit-down lunch with a knife and fork, converse and chat over the table, and then go back to work in the afternoon. What happens in Sydney? Everyone, you're lucky if you grab a sandwich on the way. People are eating in the street, something my mother always told me was really rude to do. Everything's grabbing on the run. Everything's on the run. Rush, rush, rush. We don't give any priority, and we don't give any respect to food anymore. You know, when I was at school, I'm, I'm not particularly religious, but at school we had to say grace before we ate our lunch. Every, the whole school had to sit down at our tables, and we all chanted the grace, and then everyone could start to eat. Something nice about that kind of respect, because at the end of the day, what we have to recognize is that we are really lucky, that we have a choice. We can choose to follow low-carb or low-fat or paleo. We have that choice. But where I want to leave you is by saying if we're really going to get some change in changing those awful statistics that are hitting Australia, I need your help. We need to lose the diet wars. We need to give up on the promises of the quick fixes and the pills and the potions and the shakes and everything that's going to do it for us without us putting in any effort ourselves. And we've got to go back to eating real food. And you can choose your ultimate diet. As long as you have those core whole food foundations with lots of plant food, whether or not you choose to add meat or other animal products into it, then you can make it individualized to you. And above all, 
we absolutely must eat with joy. We have to take pleasure in what we're doing because otherwise you're not going to do it for the long term. And it's only when you change for the long term, you change the way your thought processes work, that's the only way that we're actually going to get real change. And I hope you'll agree with me that that is an idea worth spreading. So I'm going to make this short and sweet because I rambled on in the beginning. Um, you can go watch this whole clip over on YouTube. It's called Eat for Real Change. You can also find it on my YouTube channel in the Closer Today playlist. You can connect with uh, Joanna over on her website. It's uh, drjoanna.com.au. Um, yeah, she's amazing. I would love to like give her a hug and get her onto the podcast. Um, I think, yeah, she's just spreading what I believe is the correct message about dialing in and finding and enjoying the right diet and lifestyle for you. Um, what else? If you love the podcast, please leave a rating or review. It would totally help us out. And we will see you next Friday when... We are talking about being an older mom. We have um, the lovely Steph Roth on on Friday. So have a beautiful week and we will see you then. Mm -hmm.